Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1968's 2001 A Space Odyssey, directed by Stanley Kubrick and starring Keir Delea and Gary Lockwood. <laughs> but before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, I watched a, a, a film that upset me. It called The House That Jack Built. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've um, been wanting to see that one. Well, it's worth seeing. Okay. And it's it's a... Yeah, it's it's quite a movie, and Lars von Trier is, I guess, you know, one of the biggest provocateurs, as we know, you know, in all of cinema. Yeah, and um, it's really, it will make you really appreciate Matt Dillon, because um, he is so good in this movie. Yeah, and the 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 only thing is, is like, it doesn't it doesn't answer any questions about serial killers. You know, it just presents um, the narcissistic tendencies that they have. Uh-huh. And, um, I guess that's really the point is that, you know, they're, they're trying not to like, you know, uh, make any broad, make any big statements about it. They're just like saying, Hey, here's what this person, this person exists and uh-huh. they're, they're, you know, hundred percent evil and you just got to deal with it. All right. And, uh, yeah. So there we are. <laughs> <laughs> I hear there's a fantastic depiction of hell in that movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that, that part right there is just a tour de force in itself. I mean, like, you know, it is, it, if, if that's what hell is like, then, you know, <laughs> let, let, let's all repent, you know, <laughs> right now immediately. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Cool, dude. <laughs> I watched, um, a movie called wrist cutters, a love story. Oh, it's from 2006. It's, an indie comedy from the time. Okay. Basically what the movie is, people who have committed suicide go to this afterlife where they just kind of live normal lives like like they do today, except they're all stuck in this like purgatory together. And it's it's one of those mid-aughts, just kind of indie road movies where everyone's ra- rambling and just talking about stuff. Sure. And, it's not mumblecore, but it's it's got that <laughs> mid aughts feel to it. Okay. Um it's fine. It wasn't fantastic or anything. Right. Um it's kind of I don't know. It it feels kind of up its own ass a little bit, but <laughs> trying to be all philosophical and stuff, but it I don't know, it really wasn't. But well, yeah, any movie that tries to do that like yeah. it's dancing on the head of a pin, you know, because yeah. I mean you you you're always in danger of going down that road of yeah. going up your own ass. Yeah. So the one guy who's the main character, I guess his girlfriend also offed herself, so he's trying to find her. And okay. that's like the premise of the movie. I got but you. then they find out they don't need her. What well, who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. But yeah, it's okay. <laughs> cool. I'd recommend a different movie, Dave, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yes. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Okay. Um, well, so uh, this obviously, it's, it's one of the most famous films of all time, and it was adapted by uh, Arthur C. Clarke from his original novel. Um, the overall plot is that in the future, you know, we've become a spacefaring culture, and after colonizing the moon, a manned voyage to Jupiter is launched, and the ship's uh, ship is fully controlled by the HAL 9000 supercomputer. Uh, but because HAL is powered by machine learning, it eventually begins to develop emotions, and it has its own ideas about how the mission should go. Um, obviously, all of this is a cloaking device for uh, the larger themes the movie wants to discuss, which I'm not going to name here. We'll just get into it throughout the episode. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there we are. All right. This movie, if you haven't heard of this movie, everybody, I don't know why you're listening to this show because you don't like movies. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is quite a film, Dave. I'm glad we are tackling this. Mm-hmm. The reason I threw it on the schedule is because I just wanted to watch it again and figured, dude, we got to do this movie. Why not? How yeah. could you have a movie podcast and not talk about 2001? Yes. I think it's a law. 
I, I, it definitely it's if, there, if it's not it ought to be <laughs> and and i don't know how it took us this long to like you said tackle it yeah because sometimes we're busy doing garbage i know yeah i know and and like <sighs> we, we've even like you know well, like talked yeah. about it ourselves privately about the, the garbage that we've and we it's fun i know and it, there there is there is a time for garbage but there's also like a time for seriousness and there this is. one you know like it's not homework, everybody. No, like it's this is a true. This, this is a, is a delicious, exactly five course meal. You damn right, man. At a Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> yeah, this is the finest dining you can get. Your eyes will eat like kings, <laughs> and your ears. You, that's right. Your whole body. I mean, it is an experience, <laughs> and like the more you see it, it's one of those movies where the more you see it, the more you appreciate it, and it becomes yeah. like. I, I it, it's weird that you you just keep getting more and more out of it. Just like when you read a book, you know, over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, it's it's not a brand new experience every time, but there's things that you didn't pick up before. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the movie it kicks off with the dawn of man. It's broken up into several sequences, and this is a whole fifteen minutes or so yeah. of no dialogue, just watching these ape men figure out how to use tools and over the course of this you see them just living their daily life being attacked by cougars and (laughs) eating things and then they eventually learn how to use tools because there's a scene where this giant black monolith appears out of nowhere and the score when this thing shows up is amazing dave um, I, w- I wrote it down. Okay. Um, it's by, uh, there's, a, there's a composition called Lux Eterna by the composer Georgi Laghetti. And this choir that we're hearing is from the Requiem section of okay. that particular piece. Okay. It's, it's a haunting, like, choral arrangement. You're just going like, <sighs> like, when you think of ghosts and shit, like, it's the sound ghosts make. Just, but, like, layered over each other. And that alone, yeah. that audio alone, mm-hmm. makes this one of like uh, this one of the one of the scariest movies ever made. Because like it could show you anything; mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter what you're looking at. If you put that particular piece of music under it, yeah, like if you were to like watch uh, a scene of in from Fletch, and you put that yeah. score oh there, my God. I mean, yeah. all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, I'm freaking scared. You yeah, know? and that's funny because while I was watching the this first monolith scene this time, I'm thinking. Because these eight men wake up and they see it just standing there before them. It wasn't there when they went to sleep. Yes. Now it's there. And they're all scared of it. They don't know what to do. And they're trying to get close to it to see what happens like an animal will. They're testing it. And they get close and they eventually start touching it. They're jumping back. Then they get closer again. Kind of everyone touches it at the same time. This scene could have been hilarious with other music. You know, yeah, yeah, playing, yeah, exactly. playing something else. But because of this score, it is terrifying. You don't know what's going to happen. This is such a strange thing to see. Yes. First off, it's just weird cavemen dudes. Not even cavemen. It's like pre-cavemen. You know, this is when they're still apes. Yeah, they they they're yeah. look they're quadrupeding. They look like yeah. they look like animals. And there's a giant black monolith that just appeared out of nowhere. That's haunting. The the scene is terrifying, like you said, and it looks like it doesn't belong there. Obviously, yeah, I mean, like it's so out of place. Yes, it's it's this is from the future, you know, and it's from even the the future distant from ours because we don't even know what it is. Yeah, as soon as you see this, your mind thinks, "What the fuck?" Yes, 
immediately. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, if if we think that when when we have you know yeah. like the technology, we're <laughs> so I mean, imagine what a prehistoric creature would think. I mean, they just see this thing that they um, like. It is it is in no way. Uh, part of their experience and here it is and they don't know what to do with it so they're reacting they're reacting accordingly yeah dude and they so like i said they're touching it now so i guess they're communing with this object yeah and they get this knowledge to start using tools there's a great scene where the one ape man just grabs a bone off the ground and starts smashing a skeleton of some right animal right and then he learns that he can break the skull, and then it's showing like images of these animals falling down, as if we, they've been hunted now. Yes. So it's showing this evolution of the creatures, which is wonderfully done. And then it culminates with, um, like we we saw the the two groups of apes. There's like kind of, um, I guess, herds. Yeah, like you know. another tribe yes. or a group. Right. Yeah. Whatever. And they they um, usually like kind of just. Um, they'll, they'll posture in front of one another and scream and yell and yeah. beat their chests. Um, now that the one tribe knows how to use tools and they've hunted these uh, like capybaras, it looks yeah. like. They're tapirs. Yeah, tapirs. Um, it's, they now have an advantage because they're, they're now like armed with these femurs. Yeah. And when the, uh, when the one like ape chieftain from the other tribe comes over, uh-huh. it's a really upsetting moment watching him be beat to death with these bones. It's so realistic. Yeah. The whole movie has a very real tone to it. Yeah. Which is wonderful. It's grounded. Yeah, I know. Um, But yeah, the other ape man comes up to him to, I guess, fight like they normally would with right. their fists and their claws and fingernails. But he runs and lunges at him and he just gets whapped on the head with his bone. Yep. And he, he goes down limp on the ground. Like you would get hit by a baseball bat. You're going down. Right. No one has ever experienced this before. None of these creatures have ever seen this before. And so the other tribe or herd are frightened now. They're like, what the heck did I just witness? It's almost as if they saw that monolith at this moment. Yes. Because the use of tools is completely unknown. Right. And the way his body just collapses, and then all the other apes keep beating him to death. Wow, dude. They all take turns. Yeah, they like, run just, up, smash, and run yeah. back. I mean, it's... Because they're afraid of what they're doing, too, I think. They don't really know. Now they know. Well, And, but, and as it goes on, they, they yeah. kind of get a, fee, a a taste for it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they and, start... Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's like, th- that's the most upsetting part, I think, is that, like, you're just watching the, these, these creatures who, like, they had killed before, but for, like... Now they're killing themselves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the whole... It, it's like when you watch Jurassic Park, and there's that, that, there's that scene where Sam Neill explains to, like, Lex and Tim about how um, the, the Tyrannosaurus is not evil. Yeah, it kills, but there's nothing evil about it. it right. It's part of the the animal kingdom, you know. That that's just that's the circle of life. Like this is not the circle of life. What we've just witnessed was <laughs> was a murder. This was the first murder ever committed, and what obviously like that's just th- that that's part of humanity's problem. Uh, you know, is is like yeah. learning the you know taking from the tree of knowledge and um, understanding, you know, like emotion and, and, you know, having our emotions guide us. So the dawn of man is exactly when we committed the first murder. I guess. Pretty awesome. Yes. Oh exactly. Yeah. A, a great way, a great yeah. building block for it society. It explains everything. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's oh so my God. gross. Dude, a fantastic sequence. And uh-huh. it famously ends when after this, fight with the bone 
the one ape throws it up in the air and it's spinning and it smash cuts to a spaceship that has replaced the bone in outer space and it's just floating. It's a great cut between the two uh, times. That that dissolve of the mm-hmm. bone flying through the air to like a now kind of almost bone shape. There's like a bone yeah, shape. Very similar craft. shape. Yeah. yeah. Um, like and the visuals of the outer space stuff. Ooh, baby. It's it's impressive. Like I it, it it doesn't give it enough credit to say that it's impressive for today. It's impressive anytime. I mean, the, but the idea that this was happening in 1968 is just something else entirely. Yeah, I believe they started filming this in 1965 too. Like this is mid 60s technology, and I can't imagine seeing this movie in the 60s and thinking, "What the heck?" I mean, yeah, you you wouldn't you just have like you know. You'd you'd have the same reaction that the apes have to the to the monolith, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like what 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 year is it? It's two thousand one. I mean, maybe? good lord! Uh, yeah. Are, did 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 what year is it outside the theater? You know? Yep. And like, I I I can't. I mean, as blown away as I am by it, and I've seen it in theater before too, and and it's also oh. an awesome experience. Um, but like. To even watch it on a standard definition DVD today, uh-huh. it still knocks you out. You know. Yeah, dude. I got the Blu-ray. It was actually one of the first Blu-rays I ever bought. Okay. And I had never seen it before. It was my first time. Okay. And I was like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> right. It blew me away. Yes. Blu-rayed me away. Blue, yeah, yes, yeah. indeed. Um, But dude, all, all the spaceships and all the effects in this look so realistic and they feel real. They feel weighted. Yeah. And... They move slowly and precisely like a spaceship would. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're in outer space. At least this is what I think it would feel like. Oh, yeah. like And the the the, the same dread I have of the ocean, I have of outer space. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, it's just... When Frank is floating away, like, that's my worst fear oh, ever. I, I know. My I'm God, just... Either stuck in space or stuck in the middle of the ocean. Yes. I'm, I'm done. Right. Like, like falling forever? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, dude. Like, I mean, and just like dying of starvation on your way to during the fall. I mean, I. I yeah. Holy shit. I mean, and it's <laughs> and it's negative 400 degrees. Yeah. You know, uh, and you're going to run out of oxygen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a lot of great stuff. <laughs> yeah, happen, exactly. Dude. And it's a poo poo platter of, of horrible death. Dude, I'd be poo-pooing all over my spacesuit. <laughs> like it would yes. be done. Yes, dude. I would die from like. <laughs> Yeah, I'd die from that alone. Just, <laughs> oh my gosh. I'd take my helmet off to get some air. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, honestly, when now that we think about it, like running out of oxygen would be like your best move. Like just okay, yeah. let, let's just empty the tank right now. So that's just I hyperventilate die. yourself. That way you run out of oxygen exactly. and you pass out mm-hmm. and then that's it. Or I might start like beating my space helmet <laughs> with my fist to like break the glass, you know, just so that my I eyes I want to do that, get my I, eyes sucked out of my helmet. I, but it would be a quick death. Like, cause now, now you just like, I mean, well, yeah, we don't know that for well, sure. Well, I'm sure it'd be fairly quick, but you would like asphyxiate and I don't know. I mean, and it wouldn't be painless, but it would be quick. I don't know. You Quicker guys out there, than... let us know what's the best way to off yourself <laughs> yeah. in a spacesuit. <laughs> Please let us know. Yeah. <laughs> this has nothing to do with the plot, but fun <laughs> conversations here right. on Dudes on Movies. Um, yeah. And when we first see the spaceship, it's... Uh, like Colonel Floyd or someone is flying. Uh, Haywood Floyd, yeah. Flying. Dr. Haywood Floyd. Yeah, Dr. Floyd is going up to the moon base, and 
it's a very long sequence of mm-hmm. him getting there because it's showcasing these special effects. It's playing these waltzes and uh, the whole score of the movie is from like opera and yeah, ballet. And right. It's well-known classical, classical music. music. Yeah. Which is wonderful. Um, and it fits the scene so well. Right. And it's showing these spaceships just gently floating through outer space and spinning. It's almost like they're waltzing themselves. Yes. It's really awesome. That That's, yeah, I, I think that's really it. Because it, it does, even when you're, you're seeing just like the, the inside of the shuttlecraft that, that Floyd is traveling on, mm-hmm. you see the flight attendants come in. And they're walking slowly because they're using those anti Gravity boots. Grip shoes. Yes, grip shoes. It they say them. grip shoes on the side. It, it's like, I know, they, they just want to let you know. It's like, like all right, 1960s, right. we know. <laughs> grip shoes. How novel. <laughs> <laughs> but they're also walking slow because it, it, it it's in time with the music. I mean, yep. and um, we, we see like the, the I guess the, um, well, what, what you'd encounter in that kind of travel in the future. Um, the, there's the complicated toilet. The anti-gravity yeah. toilet. Yeah, it says, please read instructions. And there's like 10 pages of <laughs> minuscule print you have to read. I, I know, exactly. Like the most inscrutable type you've ever seen. And, and it just it's goes on. it's the only for, funny thing in the movie, actually. It's probably the only visual It's gag. the only joke. Yes. Which um, is great, because Floyd is looking at it like, what? I know. <laughs> he's carefully studying it, going, he's in, okay, know, now I do though. this. I mean, right. he's traveled outer space before, right? right? But on. I mean, I guess... If even if you have tra- even if you're, you're like a frequent traveler in, yeah. in outer space, I mean, the idea of an anti gravity toilet would always be a challenge. Oh yeah, I'm sure he's got points at that Hilton on the space base, dude. When you <laughs> see like the known brands in the yeah. space station, yeah. I mean, yeah, the that Moon's Hilton, that is really something. And, and then like Total Recall kind of stole from that. Yeah, you know, yeah, they I mean, did. they they the, the Mars Hilton is is like less inviting than what we see here in this space station. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, because and that's the other part of it, too, of like the visual aspect is that until this moment, I mean, we're now in like minute 25 of the movie Uh and we haven't like the color palette has all been very like muted, Mm -hmm. you know, even with the the outer space stuff. We we just saw the 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 exterior of the spacecraft. Yeah. And, uh, you know, outer space itself is all just the the blackness mm-hmm. um now we go into the space station and there's these like you know flaming red chairs yeah. um within the lobby and they just stick out right i mean it just it just grabs you right there yeah, it's like oh my gosh color you know the interior is like all white yes it's lit like brightly lit with the red ch- yeah right yeah it looks great it looks modern and futuristic and um and also 1960s aesthetic too I it mean, does too yeah yeah, yeah. Like when he uses the picture phone or whatever, <laughs> man, I, the, he's FaceTiming with his daughter. This, but, this proto Skype thing. Yeah. That's like, you know, it's man, cool though. Like, it, I, I don't know. feel like it's very dated. Oh, it's not dated at all. Great. I mean, like in for, for, you know, I, it's so weird <laughs> because 60 year old film. Yes. Has predicted these technologies that we have today. And it's fairly and it's, accurately. And it's all this, all this tech that we dreamed of before, and now it's here, and I reject it whenever possible. You know, it's, I don't know. Well, you don't want to get HAL 9000. Exactly. And, and I mean, I, I come off or like... Or Sirid 9000. You know what, yeah. dude? Honestly, I, I know that I sound like I'm 200 years old sometimes when I talk about this shit, but I can't man. help it. Exactly. I, I, I don't like the motives of the creators of this tech. Yeah. You know, and th- that, that's a big part of it, but I also just... 
I mean, it's here to stay. We're oh, done. Ex- that, that's, We're done, Dave. I know. And and my feelings about like all this stuff are the same as Arthur C. Clarke's, obviously. You know, it's <laughs> And unfortunately, like you said, we're already well past the point where we can, you know, undo anything. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it when we get into it. But like, you know, we're, we're going to have a lot to say, I'm sure, about machine learning and artificial yes, intelligence. Yes, I'm sure we will. Uh, right now, we're just dealing with grip shoes. Yes. <laughs> grip shoes are like, you know, completely practical. And I, I sanction yeah, that I, use of grip shoes. I like it. Yes. Um, and I, I talked about how extended this sequence is with the music and stuff. It it goes on very long, much longer than it has to, right? Yeah. Like, you don't need this. Like, it's like five minutes long of an establishing shot, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you don't make movies like that. No. But because of the music and the visuals <laughs> marrying together so well, you don't care. You love it. It's a, it's a treat for our eyes. Like we said, it's a sensory experience. Yes. Um, it reminds me of... In Star Trek, the motion picture, when they first see the Enterprise, famously, it's like a five to ten minute long sequence or some crap of them flying by the Enterprise. And I know there are reasons they did that because they didn't get time to edit out crap they didn't need. So it's just all (laughs) stuck in there. But that sequence sucks. It's so boring. (laughs) This movie, 2001, it's wonderful. Yes. You do not mind it. Um, And the... Whatever could have bored you, uh, like when you think about the, um, when you compare it to the Star Trek uh, yeah. motion picture, yeah, uh, the things that bored you about that sequence was obviously stuff that you can just look at and go, well, that should have been taken out. Yeah. Um, that that was unnecessary. These sequences here, everything, like, just pull one item and the whole structure falls. Yeah. You know, and, like, I, I just like that about Kubrick's whole style is that because he's so deeply involved in every part of the production, yeah. um, he knows what has to go and what needs to stay and what is going to like keep the audience's attention and also, you know, affect them in the right ways. Right. I, I feel like that's why his earlier films aren't as recognized as I guess from this point on. Right. Because he wasn't in full control of all his stuff. Back True. Then. Once this happened, everyone's like, oh, yeah, we got to let this guy do what he wants. <laughs> yes. I mean, and, and it's so nuts to think about like a director from that time getting that blank check treatment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but he was such a talent that even like dumbasses running studios who were only about dollars and cents recognized the genius and was just like, well, uh, you know, if we're going to have if we're going to pay this person to do this, we're going to have to let them do what they want. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're only going to get one film from him every seven years or thereabouts. <laughs> but, right. you know, that, if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. That's what it takes. <laughs> so uh, Floyd lands on the moon base now and we find out there's a epidemic quote-unquote going on Mm -hmm. it's their cover story because they have found the monolith on the moon and it it is a a huge secret they even say they can't they can't reveal this to the public because they have no sure they do have no idea what will happen right which is true like there'd be mass panic it would be insane it probably would still happen today. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, j- just the idea of like you know knowing the 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 they have one picture. If they just showed like one still of the monolith on the moon w- when we see that, yeah, like yeah, the whole world would would be upended. Yeah. Um, and you know, like when when they're having that converse, there there was the the conversation that happens in the lobby when Floyd sits down with those other um you know representatives from the, yeah they're uh, on like a scientific mission yeah they're not part of his 
crew. Right. There's someone else he's passing by. And they must have met at some Other colleagues, yeah. Yeah. And they're asking him straight up, you know, what's the deal? You know, like, because they don't know about the monolith. They've, they've been told the cover story, which yeah. is that there's an epidemic somewhere in this colony on the moon. Yeah. Um, and he is, like, fully... Um, he doesn't threaten them, but he just kind of tells yeah. them, look, stop asking me these questions. Yeah. You know? It's like, I'm not at liberty to discuss. Right. Yeah. And, and it's full on, like, 1960s pleasantries with uh-huh. each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There, there, there's there's definitely things being un- left unsaid here. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, like, and in the background, it's one of my favorite shots in the movie. You see over, um, so, like, like the actor who plays Floyd is sitting there. And then to mm-hmm. his left is uh, the actress, Margaret Tyzak. Yeah. And over her shoulder is you see, there's a window and um, like, there's the rotation of the space station out in the window. Like, uh-huh. like Kubrick even took time to establish that just an out of focus, yeah. um, like outer space shot over this, you know, like in this kind of inconsequential um, moment during their conversation of just yeah. like, Oh, let's get a close up on Margaret Tyzak, you know? Yeah. Um, but th- that kind of level of care is like what we were talking about with Kubrick of just like keeping everything there that needs to be there. Right. Um, um, yeah. Just the attention to detail is amazing. It's wonderful. And so we find out about the monolith being there, and that's why there's the secrecy. So Floyd and the other scientists who are a part of his secret team that he's met at the base, not the people he's talking to in the lobby, other people, they go to the monolith to see it. And this this sequence here is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It The first time I watched this, I was like, okay, <laughs> this movie is something else. Right. It's already good so far, but man, when they go to this monolith, the, the camera cuts from like these giant matte painting landscapes of the scientists walking up to the hole where it's at to like these close up over the shoulder kind of camera shots where it looks like movement is happening. They're walking there and you're yes. with them. So it keeps cutting between these long wide shots of the moon and stuff and then them up close and it creates this awesome tension. It's like, what's going to happen? And all the while, these ghosts, the choir score is getting louder and louder. It's back. Every every yeah. encounter with the with the monolith has this score underneath mm-hmm. it, this, this ghostly choir that, that is like, it's just the scariest piece of music it, ever composed. It was one of the know? scariest scenes I ever watched. Yeah. It still is scary. I know, I know what happens now. Yeah. Nothing happens. And that's even... More awesome than something scary happening, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and the, the astronauts get in front of it to to take a picture, you know. Yeah. And um, someone gets too close to it. Floyd touches it at one point. Yes. Mm-hmm. And is that when the when the the ringing happens of the you know? Yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. And they all start. They all like um grab their helmets. Yes, they grab their helmets in like the the idea that they're gonna like you know be able to like not have to hear this yeah. thing. But they're wearing space helmets. Yeah, they're, they're helpless against it. Right. Yeah. It happens after he touches it when they line up to take the photograph. Yes. Then it happens. Sure. Um. One of my major notes I wrote here is about how these type of scenes don't have a lot of action or anything to them. Right. They're just a uh, a feel that you have. It's like when, for example, we'll get to it in a second, but when Dave is trying to rescue Frank, it's probably a five-minute sequence with no talking, no exciting music. He's in a ship trying to catch a guy floating away, and there's no excitement to it. Right. It's just quiet and calculated and calm, but it's the most intense thing you've ever watched. 
Because I think that if you were Dave in that moment and you were going to like retrieve Frank, yeah, like the reason it feels so real is because of what you just said with the the intensity of there being no sound. Yeah, like you would, it would take such deep concentration to complete that part of the mission. Yeah, and like all your senses would just be like, you know, okay, I have to get to this guy. Think about you know? it: an astronaut trying to deal with a crisis. They're hyper focused. Right. They're not yelling at Chewbacca to give yes. him more power Absol- or something. Exactly. Yeah. There's no redirecting. Not, getting Hell, Scotty. give me more power. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nothing like that. She's Just not going to hold Captain. Laser focused. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so calm and focused, and that's what makes it so scary. I know. E- even like like the whole thing of like Dave's like focus when when you just like the physical acting from Kier Delay in that moment mm-hmm. where he's just like you just see him like staring out the 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 pod's window just yeah. like you know he's he's like you said laser focused on just taking this taking care of this one task yeah and that 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 same focus and quietness is throughout the movie yes not just that sequence right it's in everything um and it, and I guess it was part of the creative process for for Kubrick and his team I mean like that that that's how they were while making the movie yeah. which is just like you know I I don't know how you can like keep that kind of focus um everybody gets distracted you know when they're yeah. doing anything. And um, I guess it's another reason why I would never make a, a good astronaut <laughs> because I'd, I'd be, first of all, terrified that I'm in outer space. So, But then be asking me to then concentrate on completing a task, even something as easy as fixing a sat, like, you yeah. know, like, oh, you got to go uh, take care of that instrument panel on the satellite. I'd be shitting my pants just even that task. Like, no, I'm exactly. just going to take yes. the escape pod back <laughs> exactly. to Earth, please. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let me go. <laughs> so we're talking about it now. This is the next sequence. It cuts from... The moon to 18 months later to the Jupiter mission. Right. Um, and we see the interior of this. It's a long, like, snake-like spaceship almost. Just yes. a straight tube with different sections. It looks like one of those, like, plastic snakes that you wiggle left and right. It's, like, <laughs> it's like wobbling. Yes, you know what I'm talking exactly. about? You get it for, like, three tokens at the Showbiz Pizza. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we go interior and we see... Frank running in circles around the exterior of the ship, not outside the ship, but it's the perimeter yeah. of the ship. It's just a big circle. And the camera has him running up to the ceiling and back down the other side, up the ceiling, down the other side. It's, it's so awesome, dude. I know. The and camera tricks in this movie are wonderful. Because earlier when, like when, when Floyd was, was initially traveling from the space station to the other place before mm-hmm. they got on the, on the, the ship that went to the, the, monolith site yeah um we saw that other flight attendant like walk up the wall yeah it's an unbroken shot she walks in and then walks upside down and she's like walking kind of in concentric circles even Uh you know and i still don't know how they do it well i think it's just a rotating set with the camera placed okay so they so so they really were grip shoes I mean, essentially, no, no, no. Yeah. The, the, that part of the set's not rotating, but okay. the camera's rotating with the rest of it, so it looks like she's the thing moving. But in reality, everything's moving around her. There you go. Okay, perfect. It's Got how it. they did uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the, uh, the yes, sequence on right. the ceiling and stuff. Same yeah. with The Exorcist. They use that yeah, technology. Yeah, that, that's how yeah. they did that okay. stuff. And man, it looks amazing. It does. It, it's so realistic, and and it and it completely like you're, you're wondering how they did it, but you're not wondering that until after you've seen it. Yeah, you know. So. But yeah, this this is, I think this is the sequence that most people remember from yeah. this movie, and rightfully so. I think it's the best part of the movie. Yeah, it it does have the most action. There's multiple characters you care about talking, right? And then you get Hal Nine Thousand, which is such an interesting character. 
and it's 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 definitely the richest part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you said, the characterization, and it also starts to feel more cinematic. Like you're actually like you're watching a, a yeah a movie. This is when know. it becomes a movie. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it, it it stopped kind of like making you um, concentrate quite so much uh-huh. on like bigger ideas. And this one is going to present even it's going to present ideas, but it's going to like do it in kind of a way that it's going to deliver it in a way that you're more familiar right. with. Right, and it's still just as calculated and. Um, intriguing as everything else but yeah like there is more movie movie stuff here. exactly yes um, yeah and we get introduced to hell 9000 who's the greatest ai machine ever created and the the way it's introduced is like the uh frank pool and uh and dave bowman they're uh, watching, they're they're watching the repeat of of a feature on the BBC that was done like previously. Yeah. Um. They they were they they were interviewed by a BBC reporter and they said that like the the transmissions each question took like you know uh, seven seven minutes. minutes to to transmit the answers. So then they cut it together so they could have like a regular TV program. Right. So they're watching the uh the the recast of it, and they're they're being interviewed about the mission. And then the interviewer asked them just straight up about Hal Nine Thousand. And, you know, like, does it have emotions? And Dave has a yeah. complex answer. Yeah, he says, um, I think that's something nobody can truthfully answer. Right. And he, he speaks just like a person would speak. He has the same cadence. And yeah. uh, he, he talks like the way people talk, much like Alexa and Siri and all those things nowadays. Right. They, they sound very human in a way. It simulates your... Uh, interaction with a human being. Yeah, and uh, most recently, ChatGPT mm-hmm. is a language model. Right. When you ask it something, it responds exactly like a person would. Whether it's accurate information or not, that's a different thing. But the way it's <laughs> communicating is human-like. Right. It just gets it gets more effective at human yeah. communication as it goes. And there's a big part of the movie where they have the twin system that's back on Earth like test something out to see, you know, what happened. Right. um, How can they be twin though? If the earth system isn't learning the same things that hell 9,000 on the spaceship is learning. They can't be twins anymore. Right. Right. No, they can't. And that's really the, but well, it's one of the scarier aspects of, of the story is that like, you know, one of the computers has evolved past the other one. Yes. It also, as it evolved, it, it developed, you know, motivations that are in conflict with the uh, humans aboard the ship. Yes. Because in addition to Dave and Frank, there's three other astronauts who are in hypersleep. Right. And, um, boy, and the idea of getting me in one of those freaking chambers. <laughs> you no want to go in the freezer? No way. Well, if I had to die in outer space, it, it would have to be, just let me freeze and then peacefully knock me out dude i guess you're right i mean being killed by don't Hal, frank me yeah exactly how was merciful with the people in the hyper chambers you that's know? true um he's a dick but, <laughs> yes exactly but yeah he, he gave them a quick death yeah he could have just done something else true yeah. that's right but you know what it's the easiest thing you could do let's just do it man but the idea of like <laughs> I, I you're you're gonna have to knock me out before you even put me in that yeah, sarcophagus you, they voluntarily went into this hypersleep exactly so, yeah, just you're not doing that. Getting me into that that freaking tube. You'd have no to get hit on the way. head with a bone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. So yeah. we keep alluding to this, <laughs> the fact that Hal is murdering people. Um, so we get there because the Hal 9000 system is supposed to be flawless. They've never made an error in their the entire history of being created. Right. 
It's impossible for them to make an error. And what happens is Hal sees that there's a malfunction with this antenna and they have to go replace the battery or do something. So they do that. And it's an awesome spacewalk sequence, which is really cool. And they get back and test it. And apparently there is no error. So why did Hal say this? Apparently he's made the first error ever for a HAL 9000 system. Or did he? Or, yeah, or did he is a good question. Right. Is he planning this? Right. And because he is planning this, and we saw him play, you know, like there was kind of a like a foreboding moment where he beats Dave in chess. Um, yeah, he predicts. He's like, Dave, you know, two moves from now, it's mate. And right. And Dave resigns. Yes. <laughs> Dave gives up before it's even awesome. being put in check. I love that. Right. I love it. And and as a human against a a chess playing supercomputer, that's what you that's your only move. He, I guess. he realized that he's inferior. Exactly. And he says, "Okay, right, you're the king now." And if Hal can think six moves ahead like that, then just the idea of him like sending Frank and Dave out to like look at this, uh, you know, like allegedly malfunctioning satellite. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already been. Did he plan this months ago? I mean, like, was his idea to like take over the mission already planted? Like, you know, even before we we. Saw the action. I don't know. See, I don't know if he actually was. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like maybe it was an error because he has evolved beyond being this perfect machine. I see. Yes. That maybe it is an error. And that's the symbol that he's evolved. Okay. Because he even says the only answer is that it's human error. Has he evolved beyond the machine to have human nature in him now? Well, that's wow. Yeah, that's pretty deep. This guys, this movie has no answers. By the way, it's right. just right. That's why it's so great because people have been doing what Dave and I are doing right now for the last fifty-five years. And fifty-five years <laughs> from now, when there's another podcast about two thousand one, a space odyssey, yeah. they'll be having the same discussion and they'll have completely different answers. Yes, because Hal will be real. Hal will be having a podcast. <laughs> Jesus, oh, I, I welcome oh, to Halcast. I, I shudder to think. <laughs> I, I I don't want to be in that world. <laughs> Um, and let, let's please, everybody, let's stop it before it happens. Please. Unplug your phones. <sighs> turn on. Turn Honestly, man. Let's hey, just, we're fucked. Let's just get into it. Because right. honestly, it's just like for the last six months or so, millions of hilarious <laughs> memes have been shared online about like the power of chat GPT. <laughs> and we're all just yucking it up over it. I mean, but, but you know, not only that, think about like the machine learning that's been implemented in our workplaces already. Yeah. You know, um, and, and these decisions are all made of course, to reduce headcount and to increase profits and efficiency and, and share price, which only benefits the, the already wealthy people who are in charge of everything. Uh-huh. And the <laughs> none of this is like the people who champion <laughs> AI's use and its continued evolution aren't humanitarians. I, what, I, what are they, capitalists? Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess you could say. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't want... I, I know that like the last however many... Since we came back, I've become more and more of this kind of person. And I apologize. But I it's just... It's always been there, though. It, it was. It was always... It's, it, I, I had a like an impressive way of cloaking it previously. But now I, I it's just all coming out. It's awesome. Dave <laughs> is so animated right now, dude. <laughs> I love it. And he's, he's not really wrong cool. at all. So. Yes. Cool, so, dude. Right. But we still got a ways to go before yes, we do. We get murdered by this thing. Uh, yes, it, it, but we 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 can. Even though we can't stop like technology, but we we can like at least. Th- there was a bit of good news actually, even recently in the news. Um, yeah. 
I think his name was Sam Altman. He's the uh, the the chairman and CEO and found one of the founders of ChatGPT or mm-hmm. the company that, that creates it. He went in front of Congress and asked for regulation. Well, that's good. That was a, a great sign. Yeah. You know, I and I was I, I couldn't believe that someone who is essentially a Silicon Valley tech bro had those kinds of ethics. Whether or not it, he, it all, you he know, knows what's going to happen. Exactly. He's like, you exactly. better put some. Like, yes. We're gonna, we're gonna die. Baby. <laughs> right. Right. Um, that was encouraging. ChatGPT can can write our eulogies for us. It could. It you, you don't you just <laughs> just name whatever you name any task that humans currently <laughs> perform, and yes, it can do that. Like, or it will eventually learn how to do that. Yep. And and that's what I find so dreadful about it is is uh-huh. that it just. I, I don't like the idea of even because right now what the, the, the jobs and everything that it's trying to replace are the ones that don't involve critical thinking. But what's yeah. to stop it from like learning further and, you know, like take I mean, what? So. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, uh, it eventually might get there. You right. never know. Skynet will, will eventually go online. That's funny because in the movie they say so, about like 1992 or something yes. is when this happened. Like, isn't that when the, the nuclear fallout happened in Terminator? Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, yeah, this is. Man, I wonder if James Cameron picked that date because of the impact this movie had on him. I mean, I, I bet he did. I, I am I am positive James Cameron like really admires 2001. A Space oh, he Odyssey. does. Yeah. he saw it 18 times in the theater. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah so <laughs> of course it did. Right. Um. So because of this error, uh, Dave and Frank are kind of like, well, what do we got to do now? Like this computer's controlling everything. If it's malfunctioning, we we might need to just shut it down right. before more shit happens. Right. And they do this in secret. They go to the pod, turn off the comms so that Hal can't hear them. But Hal can see their lips moving. And <laughs> you don't realize that right away until after they're talking about this. Right. And you know Hal can't listen. Um, they let Dave and Frank have the entire conversation where they talk yeah. about turning off Hal. Like, the conversation is almost And the consequences. Gone. Yes. Like, he's hooked up to life support and everything. We can't just cut it right we've got to only shut down things and like worry about stuff like it's not that simple right they they it, it's a it's about like a about a three minute two shot of like dave and frank just talking about this and, and what the consequences of it yeah and then it cuts to like a really chilling close-up of hal yeah uh like hal is represented by this like kind of rectangular block in the wall right with a, a, a big lens on it yep that that's his eye and there's a kind of an off yellow orb that a bulb yeah, like a that glowing is, orangish right. orb that's his retina. Yes, and he is totally hip to what's going on. Yeah, because he's. Then we see a POV from him. Oh. It's, it's of their mouths, close-ups <laughs> of their mouths talking, and you don't hear it. Right. Because Hal's not hearing it, but he's seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what they're plotting. He knows what's going to happen. And, you know. That when they when they decide that they're going to go replace the the uh, the satellite, then they're just going to put it back um, yeah. and and deal with it. Uh, this is like we already we already saw how they how they go to fix this, and like it's such a bizarre method to it is like fly the pod away from the ship and then do a free solo outer space float <laughs> back toward it. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, what at the all. fuck? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> There, there's one other thing that doesn't make sense either is okay. that the front of these pods have Hal attached to it, right? There's yes, a lens. Yes. Why isn't he just controlling the pods while Dave's like in that trying to break back into the ship and stuff? Like, I know. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's that's a weird kind it's of. It's the yeah. only flaw I've noticed in this movie. I know. Well, well um, maybe because 
Maybe because he's shut down the comm links or something, like he can't control. I don't know. There's a, I have there's, no idea. Yeah, like even even the the very like just the small plot holes can even be explained away by some kind of science, I yeah. guess, in some way. But yeah. like, yeah, it's it, it's one of those things that doesn't doesn't grab you until your eleventh viewing. Isn't it funny that a movie like this, where the plot and the story is just so abstract, yeah, like there aren't plot holes <laughs> i know <laughs> that's insane. I, I mean it, it, you would think that, that, that it would just be rife with him like that you'd yeah. even see like you know right away but yeah no they like he's covered all the bases man it it, it really it's is wonderful it, it's the culmination of years of work you know and yeah and it, like the 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 mastery of of science fiction there, there's been tons of great science fiction movies made over the last 50 years but i i don't know that anyone has ever dethroned what he accomplished here no, you know? I think this still is the number one sci-fi movie of all time. Right, right. Still. It's, I mean, that that, that is really an achievement, you know? Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> um, so they go to put the battery back like Hal suggested they should. We'll, we'll put it out there, and then once it fails, like I predicted, then we'll test it and find out exactly what's wrong with it. Right. Uh, but now he knows what's going to happen to him once they get back inside, so he... He just makes Frank go bye-bye, dude. He just he, rushes him. There's a great scene because he has to space jump, you know, from the pod yeah. to the ship. Um, so the pod itself starts turning, right? Like, here it is. How controls the pod. Right. So it turns towards the camera and the arms kind of open and come towards the camera. And you know shit's going to go down. Yes. And then it just cuts to Frank flying away in space. Oh, and man. And the pod's flying away, too. And and that, that that shot of, like, Frank in the distance just, like, like tumbling through space. Oh, man. I mean, it's it's more chilling yeah, stuff. Yeah, all the anti-grav stuff in uh, this, like, looks wonderful. I know. Like, it looked... How did they do this? Oh, they probably were in outer space for real. That's how good it looks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, Kier and Gary Lockwood were the ultimate method actors, you know? <laughs> They actually shot at <laughs> Jupiter. That's right. <laughs> Kubrick uh, would do that. Yes, of course he would. And he did, he'd demand hundreds of takes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even yeah. after they were dead. <laughs> we're lucky that he never killed anyone on set. <laughs> exactly. I mean, when Shelley he, Duvall should have passed out. When from he died, I mean, Shelley Duvall <laughs> must have danced on his grave. You know, and, and if she, her and Scatman Carruthers must have just clinked to their glasses like, yes, yeah. at last, this guy's fucking Fuck this dead. Guy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. Um, but yeah, Dave doesn't realize that Hal did this intentionally. So Dave goes out there and it's the long sequence I talked about of him trying to rescue him. And it's, it's just calm and cool, but it's so thrilling and intense. I know. And quiet. And the, all the space stuff ha is just kind of instead of a lot of music or sound effects, it's just breathing. Oh man, that that it's like, like omnipresent that deep space, breathing. Yes. spacesuit breathing. Right. And the cool thing about it, I it doesn't. It's not in time with their actual breathing, really, which gives it this weird sense. Like, okay, they're breathing, but it doesn't look like it's in time with their real breathing. Right. It makes you uncomfortable. It's otherworldly, and yeah, yeah it it feels um. And, and you, you, especially when you're watching like just the close up on Dave, I mean, like he's not even he's not physically breathing like it, that's not yeah. what he's that's not what his face is conveying. Yeah. He's just concentrating. And it's also accompanied by these more uh, really interesting visuals like um, the red and yellow spacesuits. Yeah. I mean, that They're is cool. That is really impressive because um, everything else around it is stark black and white. yes. And then like the the I love the um, the instrument panel in the pod 
it's it's also really striking just look at all the colors in there yeah. and then when when that when those instruments are like reflected in the helmets yeah um phew, it's man, cool such a cool effect it looks awesome yeah um so dave gets frank's body he actually gets him right he retrieves him he brings him back and famous line open the pod bay doors please hell and he doesn't <laughs> open the doors he says it several times. Right. And Hal says, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Affirmative, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> he says, what up, bitch? <laughs> uh, yeah. And he reveals that although they did take precautions, he he knows what's up. And it's it's you like... Got, he, he like gives them props. He's like, hey, you guys did a pretty good job, but you failed. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it, and it's and when, when he asks, when Dave just goes, what's the problem, Hal? Hal, like... Like has a yeah, bit of a, he says a, I can't open the doors. Yes, and he thinks, okay, well, maybe there's another malfunction. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as much as I do, Dave. Oh, baby! Whoa! Back I mean, hand. like just and and here you are. You're in outer space. And yeah, you're dude. alone. And freaking um, Kier Delea, like his face in that moment melts. Yes, he's like, oh my god, we're fucked. This thing has turned on us. Right. And I'm stuck out here. And he says, I'm just going to go through the emergency door then. And Hal says, not without your helmet, Dave. Because his helmet is still inside the ship. Fuck. I mean, he, he's... And his face then, too, is like, God, what am I going to do? It's <laughs> like playing chess with Stanley Kubrick, essentially. I mean, oh. you, you're, you're now, like, you are really in for it. And, <laughs> and the idea that he, he somehow figures out a way to get back into the ship through that emergency hatch... Yeah. Um, but to do it, he has to destroy the pod with those exploding screws yeah. that are in the, the um, somehow in the pod bay door. Yeah, I guess it's emergency release. Right. It's kind of like in Top Gun, the hatch blasts off yes. and then they parachute right. out and Goose dies. <laughs> right. It's kind of like that. This is that, except <laughs> like, and when he gets shot into like the, the, the chamber. Oh, head first. Man. Like, and then he bounces back and he's about to like, Go into like uh-huh. uh, same same fate as Frank. Um, he somehow manages to grab the the you know the emergency, the emergency hatch, clothes, right? Yeah. Um, and now it's time to kill Hal. This is a wonderful sequence, right? Because again, it's so quiet, it's so carefully done. It's just a long sequence of Dave walking walking through the ship, traveling to where Hal's mainframe is, right? And Hal knows the whole time that he's coming to shut him down. And his first, um, when he, when he, when Hal realizes Dave is on the ship and he gets into the room with the pods, he says, yeah, just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Yeah. Um, and Dave, what are you doing? And you know, like, the, what are you doing? I Dave? guess the good thing about, and it's, yeah, it's a, it's a refrain yeah. that just, what are you doing, Dave? Yeah. And I guess the only saving grace of all this technology is that we technically do still have dominion over it. Yeah. We can always just unplug these computers at any time. For now. For now. For now. Um, <laughs> if they develop sentience to the point where they don't even need, like, battery power or or electrical power, um, if they can, like, you know, uh, function. sustain themselves. Yes. I, I mean, if it gets to that point, well, we tried, everybody. Um, and the human experiment is over. Yeah. Well, uh, scientists have discovered a self fulfilling thing already i mean it hasn't been developed into any technology but they've created it 
I'm, this is for real. Like it, yes. it has happened. I yes. think at CERN. Yes, it, it, it yeah. is. It, it has happened. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I really thought I'd given us a way out, but we, we don't have it. Uh, we're, we're all screwed. Yeah, we're. All right, let's just end the podcast now. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you in <laughs> hell. <That's>... <laughs> oh, <laughs> wonderful. But yeah, the sequence is great because as Dave gets closer and closer to the mainframe, Hal gets more desperate and desperate. He's he's behaving very humanly here. Yes, and his behavior is really erratic. Eventually, instead of saying, "Well, like, what do you think you're doing?" is a very human thing to say, sure. isn't it? Yeah. Because Hal knows what he's doing. Right. He also thinks he still has the upper hand in that moment. Yeah. Like his tone is very, you know, dismissive. Yeah. And as Dave gets closer and closer to the mainframe, and he starts pulling, you know, circuits and everything. Stop, Dave. Stop, Dave. What do you? It hurts. Will you stop, Dave? It I'm hurts. afraid. I'm afraid. I can feel it. My mind is going. Oh, it's scary. Yeah, stuff. it is. It is. Is he killing a sentient being now? Right. Is he murdering? Yeah, I guess so. In some ways, maybe. Yeah, he is. He is committing a murder. Yeah. And he doesn't even know if he is or not because is Hal just like, like you said about Is he the, playing him? Yes. Is this all like, has he has he developed to the point where he can like pretend to it, have emotions? It reminds me of the, the end of Ex Machina. Where Alicia Vikander's character just is playing <laughs> the fucking guy the whole time, right? And at the end, the oh, it was just all a ruse. I got what I wanted, right? It, on this rewatch, I was like, oh, dude, that reminds me of that ending so bad. <laughs> yes, like, it's so good, right? And as how mind is going, he sings the Daisy Daisy song, right? Which apparently was really the first like voice modulated like computer thing ever, yes. which is awesome, right? Just to listen to him fade like that, like the the yeah, you know, and and it's like, um, it's watching a slow death. It is, yeah. I know, and and that room that they're in, like in the mainframe room, that that is yeah. more just you know like uh, arresting visuals of yeah, just the red red lights, and then as these memory chips are being extracted, it's like a white whitish blue light yep. shining. Right, it's so awesome looking and. With with what's happening in the scene, it's just the perfect combination. Right. Yeah. Um. Wow. I know, dude. It's God. <laughs> it's so good. And at this point, we get a message that plays automatically. I guess when they get close to Jupiter, saying, "Now that you have reached your destination, and everyone has been re- <laughs> released from hypersleep successfully." <laughs> <laughs> blah 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. President, you have no clue what what Dave has just been through. What happened to Frank? Yeah. All the other three doctors who are down there. What yeah. Hal has done to them? And you know, <laughs> j- just like it, it's it's almost like Whalen Utani. It know? is. It is. Of course, it is. Ugh. Um. And and the message says, you know, now that you're here, we can tell you why you're really here, and it's because the moon monolith is transmitting to Jupiter, and we need to find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you, you got to find out. <laughs> and now it's just Dave there by himself. Yes. So, Which is like, um, and it leads now into the, the, yeah, the final oh, sequence yeah. of Jupiter the film. Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite, the final section. And well, think about what we just went through, you know, with, with that, um, mm-hmm. the, the sequence of, you know, how... Uh, doing what he did and Dave, you know, overcoming Hal yeah. and now, and, but, but we still have a half hour left in the movie and it's going to be like, it's an acid trip. It, completely. 
<laughs> and I mean, that you can visualize what happens to someone when they're under the influence of, you know, LSD like, or something. Yes, psilocybin. Yeah, just... I, I, it's, it's never been topped. Um, this and is fear and loathing in outer space, dude. Dude. <laughs> and, and they, they captured it. They really did. You know, like if, if you get high today and watch Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite, like you will be up against the wall. Can, can you imagine this in the 60s? Holy shit. <laughs> how did the whole world not change? Right. You know, like I, I, I still don't know how like the this, it was such a moment <laughs> in time where, where we, we really could have, you know, like upended the status quo. And everybody just kind of like went, oh, let, let, let's let's pull back, everybody. <laughs> let's pump the brakes because this is too much too soon. Um, yeah. And like, <laughs> I, I trying to explain this sequence in our format, our podcast is, format. Yeah. This is going to be almost impossible to right. talk about. Cause it's, it's not, um, a, a conversation that we can deconstruct. It, even if we were to describe all the visuals for you. Right. Um, all we can do is theorize so really. What happens is Dave is approaching Jupiter and we see a monolith floating in outer space. And, it aligns with the planets, which is a thing that keeps happening throughout the movie. Once the monolith appears, it's like in alignment with all these solar bodies and stuff. Yes. Um, and we see it, and it kind of like floats away into this perfect line of planets. And then it looks like we're going into hyperspace. Think of Star Wars going right. into hyperspace. Right. The stars flying at you. This happens, but it's not like Star Wars. It's just a stream of colors coming from just a focal point in the middle around the camera at you and engulfing you. And it's various colors and it's not just straight lines. It's like morphing and creating patterns mm -hmm. and you're going, I guess you're traveling through space and time. I don't, I, it's like I said, it's impossible to describe. Dave. Of course, like, but like, like you, these all... colors are coming at you and, it's an experience for sure. I sat here bug-eyed while you tried to explain yeah, it. And, just, you know, and I'm, cause I'm just like, holy shit. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> um, and, and, and throughout this whole thing, like while, while that's going on, that, that Lux Eterna choir is a company. Oh my God. Because the monolith is here. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. I mean, it, it just gives you the all over shivers. <laughs> this, this is called the Stargate sequence. Right. That's what it's known as. The last time I I watched it while under the influence, um, I got a little bit. Um, well, I was a lot uncomfortable. But the thing that really got me was when, like, during the Stargate, when when it's forming and all the the uh, like you said that the patterns are emerging and the fractals that are that are yeah. like you know forming. Um, they, they keep cutting back to a still of Dave in his space helmet, yeah. looking terrified. Yeah, like his head's turned and he's screaming. But right. It's just a still image for about five frames, and like it's and it's accompanied by like a, mm -hmm. you know, and it just like it it, it stay. If you're watching it, it just stays in your head, mm -hmm. you know, especially when you're you know not yourself. Yeah, and there's the first time we see his helmet, and it, it's not a still. It's it is the it's the lights coming at him, but you're okay. We're looking at him from the front. You see his face through the helmet, but the reflection of this is on his helmet, and it looks like it's going into his eyes almost. Yes, like it's going into him in a way. It's just the reflection, but the way it looks, it's like, what is he experiencing? Is he is this going? Is he becoming part of this? Right. It's 
it's crazy, dude. And I mean, I guess that's what an infinite <laughs> regression is, is like you yeah. become both the observer and the observed. And so now, like, that's probably why they have the deep focus into the eyeball. Yeah. And showing how like all this is actually happening, like is the is is this is this another galaxy within your eye? You know, like is yeah. that our, our our eyeball kind of the the iris? It looks like a Milky Way, you know, and um, they're using that to to right. add to the tension oh and, the, and the you know yeah, and these these lights like they're so unnatural and it's like oh, imagine like a lava lamp how it kind of flows yes. weird like yes. imagine that but it's like on a grand scale and it's distorted and twisted and like pulsing and expanding in unnatural ways it's just that's what's happening around you and then it also shows like landscapes of right. various strange colors like it's i forget what it's called when this effect happens but it's like a weird overexposure. You're and seeing it in negative. It's a negative look. Yeah, right. it's a negative. And it's of like earth structures, like deserts, mountains, right. things like that. We're flying over oceans. But it it's also strange because like you said, it's in a negative. Yes. And because we were in Jupiter, um, which we're, we've been told, you know, like of throughout our lives is, is the gas giant. Mm -hmm. um, has Dave traversed the gas giant to, to like get to Jupiter's core. And it's a lot like the grand Canyon. I, I mean, know. is that what we're saying? Like that, that's even the most like kind of banal explanation for, for, you know what he's seeing. But like, yeah, before it, that there was like a, an embryonic sequence. Yeah. It looks like, yeah, exactly. It looks like fetal development. Yes. Almost. Like you, you see it's the, not, that's not an accident. No, exactly. Sure. Even the, there was like a one visual looked like spilt seed. It did. You know, exactly. There's one shot of, it looks like Dave's pod traveling through space towards that like fetal development. Yes. Thing. And it looks like a sperm. Right. Right. Like it, so I'm guessing Dave is a seed to the star child or something. He's creating a new universe or God or something. I guess if, if like <laughs> if the monolith is always around when human evolution is taking place, uh -huh. then this is the next step for human beings yeah. is whatever we're seeing here. Um, and unfortunately Dave is the sacrificial lamb, you know, um, <laughs> as well as everybody else who was on board, but he's the one experiencing it. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. So ultimately we get through this like, acid trip and <laughs> we're still tripping right but now we're in like a room the pod is sitting in the middle of this ornate bedroom it looks like some kind of victorian mansion that bedroom that's hauntingly lit like all of it has know, floor tiles yes that are just lit and he used that same effect in the shining remember in the bathroom where uh jack is talking yeah. to grady yeah um that where, where the floor is is illuminated and it gives this you know, and because there's like other, uh, you know, everything looks really stark when a floor is white. Yeah. Is is this white and this bright, you know? Um, and there's also these cries of anguish um, or just accompanied by that same demented choir. Yeah. Um, like that just fills you. I, I I keep using the word dread. I don't know what else it fills you with other than just like you're, you're like, holy shit, get me out of here it's, because this there is, is scary. a fear. Yes. Yeah. Dread is a perfect word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and so we see Dave, the pod's there. Then we see Dave kind of standing out in the room. Yep. And he's aged. He's in his spacesuit still, but his face is definitely aged and wrinkled. Right. And he's an older man now. And then we see a man eating food in the room. And it's Dave. Yep. And he's an older man in a robe. 
just looks like he lives here. Right. He's in a smoking jacket. Right. <laughs> and then we see another man, an old man laying in the bed. And it's Dave, probably 100 years old. Right. He's, what you'd imagine a 100-year-old man would look like. Yes, he, he's like almost dead. Yeah, he's near death, laying right. in bed. Right. And this all happens in the span of a couple minutes. There's no talking. Nope. It's just the weird sounds and visuals. <laughs> <laughs> And then ultimately the monolith shows up again in front of him and he reaches out to touch it. And then we see him, it cuts to the monolith, it cuts back to the bed. And now instead of Dave being there as an old man, there's a fetus of some kind, a glowing like white fetus in an orb floating on the bed. What? What the heck is know, going exactly. on here? And that, and dude, and like, and it has his face. I know it, that that's the really yeah. bizarre part of this. This this weird baby puppet has Kier Delea's face. <laughs> you know, it's really unsettling. Yes. And meanwhile, that that monolith that just like every appearance it makes in the movie, it has no earthly business being where it is. And in this particular sequence, it's the scariest because you're just looking at it going like, like there's this terrified old man in a bed in this very weird room and he can't communicate with it. All he looks at it, he knows that, that this is portending something dreadful for him <laughs> um, or something that's going to like help humanity. Something Who transcendent. The hell knows? Exactly. I, you don't know. <laughs> um, and yeah. So the camera pushes into the monolith now and the screen goes black because it's this black monolith and it we're in space again and we're floating. I guess it's Earth near planet. At yes, least. it looks like Earth. It looks like Earth and it's playing the main theme. Yeah, the, the space there. Zarathustra. Yep. And the, the baby fetus thing is floating into the frame of the camera. As it's nearing this planet, it's it looks like it's the size of a planet. Right. It could just be perspective, but I, <laughs> I feel like it's a planet-sized fetus. Okay, yeah. At least that's how I interpret it. Yeah. And it just slowly kind of rotates into the camera and looks right at you. And cut to black credits. <sighs> what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> what did I just watch? <laughs> Fair question. Why is this one of the best movies I've ever seen? <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, these are questions you have to ask yourself. Yes. And like, <laughs> um, I, I, I can't, it, it just, I'm trying to think of any other piece of art made in the century that is like in the popular art forms that has, that, that continues to inspire this much debate. Um, and, and that, defies yeah. explanation. I can only, maybe so, some David Lynch films might touch this. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. There, there's a handful. It's just that like, you know, this is it, it. They're, they're pretty rare because I mean, most of the time you're being told a story, even if it's a great story, mm -hmm. you can, you, you can analyze it. But in the end, you're going to like, a lot of people are going to come to the same conclusions. Yeah. Other people who would do what we just did for the last hour would have a completely different conversation. Yes. And it would be just as valid. Mm -hmm. You know, which is mm -hmm. like really the, the, it shows the power of, of what Kubrick achieved with this and Arthur C. Clarke, of course. Yeah. And famously Kubrick doesn't have an explanation. No, for he it. doesn't. And he refuses to say anything about right. it. I mean, he can't now, of course he's dead, but, right. um, he did enjoy when people would tell him their theories. Yes. He loved that. Right. 
That's right. amazing, dude. I know, because um, because you would you would think that with his reputation and his his kind of intensity and his artist, you know, yeah, like, and his control, exactly, that he would he would have a definite idea about what was going on here, and he wouldn't want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, and just the opposite, apparently. That's why he made it right. Oh, mm-hmm, mm. yes, dude. <laughs> yeah, what. A journey. I know, I know. It, it's just like, I, I've called other movies like, oh, that's quite a ride. It's yeah. 2001 A Space Odyssey. This is a ride. This is an experience. Yes. This is a movie. Watch it. Watch it on the biggest screen you can. Yes. With the best sound system you can. And just completely commit to it. Don't be distracted. Right. Don't have your phone out, you God, idiot. Oh <laughs> Don't have your phone out on any movie. Yes, exactly. And and God, do not watch this on your phone. Oh my God. Or you know, or, or any, if you can, if you can help it, <laughs> watch it on a screen, a big screen. Yeah. Um. You know, but failing that, at least a television set. Okay. Don't do not put this on your phone and 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 try to drink it in because it's not going to happen. Yeah, no. Unless you've already seen it, you have no phone rights. Exactly. I'll let you. Right. I'll let you watch it on your phone if you've seen it before on okay. a bigger screen. That, that, that's that's. I'll fair. allow that. Yes, and you have to have seen it multiple times on a bigger screen. <laughs> yes, yes. You know. Yeah. Yes. This is only like if you're on a plane and you need to watch this <laughs> yes. because it's so good. Yeah, go exactly. go for it. Right. You can watch it on the back of one of those plane seats. <laughs> But then when you get to your hotel, you have to watch it on the screen. Yes. You have to. Promise me this, people. You will. Which, you know what? That that, that thing of the, the movie screen on the back of a seat? Yeah. It's in this movie. Yeah. That that wasn't a thing. I mean, the, the, they the, predicted, that. predicted that. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal, man. Yeah. Um, so that concludes our journey here, I guess. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> Is there anything we missed you wanted to talk about, Dave? Um, just a few small things. Okay. Um, like in the in the Dawn of Man sequence, um, you can tell where matte paintings were used yes. if you look real close. Um, they're and beautiful. They're man, I just love matte paintings. Yeah. You know, um, and it, and like the the perspective on those paintings. I mean, it, it's yeah. Like when you when once you notice them and you know they're there, you start just kind of admiring the uh like the depth yeah. of, of the, of the, the mountains in the background. Yeah. Um, and I just love matte painting so much to look at, yeah. uh, that the, their use of it and knowing that like maybe, um, even the, the, uh, the rocks and everything was, was, was done in, uh, on an interior set. Yeah. It makes it even like the scope of it even bigger. Cause it was like, yeah. they were able to simulate a huge desert landscape within Shepard and studios. Uh huh. And it looks, it looks awesome. I know. When I know. it's a good matte painting, it is great. It just can't be improved upon. I mean, like, uh, even with, like, CGI has gotten really good in yeah. the last couple of years. And, I mean, I, I know I, I'm tough on it sometimes. But, I mean, like, there there are sequences in movies that, that are, like, all CGI that look very visually arresting, obviously. Yeah. But when you really go back to the practical way... Um, if if you can, you only notice that that there's matte paintings being used, like we said, on like your I don't know your double digit viewing. Yeah, you know, um, the rest of the time you're just completely in the story. Yeah, yeah, and and back to that sequence, the special effects on the ape men, the the, Man. the, the creatures look great. The creature makeup, animatronic faces, yes. and everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, like like you you don't you don't think for a second that these are pullover masks of any kind. I mean, right. it looks a hundred percent real. Yeah. Um and. You know, like even the the when, when the when the the cougar jumps on the one ape, yeah. Like, how did they simulate that? I mean, like did, did, did this stuntman was doing yeoman work. You yeah, know? if that was actually a dude who got attacked, Jeez. like I don't know if they did some kind of overlay or some kind of thing like that. Right. 
they had to do something. Right. <laughs> if it was, you know, and like it, it, maybe it was even like the, the, the Cougars trainer, you know, like it may, maybe that, that, okay, you're going to play this ape because the, the Cougar's going to just jump on you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> that's the only way they could have achieved that. Yeah. Dude. Um, yeah. There, there we go. Oh man, Dave, I guess we're here. <laughs> yes. So, um, would you recommend the movie? Yes, I would recommend the movie. <laughs> um, obviously, this is, this is like Roger Ebert thought it was like pretty much the best movie ever made, yeah. um, and he is an authority, and you know you don't have to listen to everything he says, but I mean when someone like that who's seen as much as they've seen says that this one particular title is the one, then yeah, it's it's kind of incumbent upon you as a film lover to have yeah. seen it. Yeah, and he's not the only one who says that exactly it's yes a lot of people and it's still influencing pretty much everything you see today yeah so. look at christopher nolan's stuff like interstellar yep definitely taking a lot from this yep like, still to this day everything yeah dude five star movie yep six star yeah oh, oh, there's a... infinite stars and beyond the infinite and beyond you got it yeah so this movie is a must see i, I talked five minutes about what kind of screen to use like you yes. just do it people. <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> all right so that wraps things up if you like what you heard please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast rate it review it and most of all share it that gets more dudes listening to the dudes you can go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything else you need right there yeah and go to uh facebook twitter instagram look for dudes on movies and our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com and Dave, we have a question of the week. What's the question of the week? Uh, what movies fill you with existential dread? Yeah, fun one. Yeah. <laughs> Call the voicemail 628-400-DUDE. That's 628-400-3833. Let us know your thoughts. And stay tuned next week when we do 1999's American Movie, directed by Chris Smith, starring Mark Borchat and Mike Schenk. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. 